read that, uh, uh, I know we should probably get into the episode, but I'm having too much fun, that the webcomic, that um, uh, Strange Planet. No. I posted one of them. That's the one with star damage. Okay. Okay. It's so good. I think it's, I think it's pretty new. And it's like each comic is just like aliens experiencing earth and culture. And they just take it very like, uh, you know, it's like the star damage thing. Like I, 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 your skin looks amazing. I, I stood too close to the sun or to the nearest star. (laughs) It's star star damage. I just like, and that makes me think of um, what Pat Oswald says about comedy. That what comedy is is taking something ordinary and everyday, but presenting like, but like sort of twisting it in such a way, like changing the perspective on it that you see it in a completely new way. Yeah, and um, and that to me is like a perfect encapsulation of what Pat Oswald's talking about. Because now in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, it's star damage. Like that's totally <laughs> what this is. Like it is the it is the radiation of our nearest star damaging our skin. So we call it a suntan, but star damage is a much better term. They posted one yesterday where it's like, it's like two parents and a, and a baby alien and they're going and they're trying to teach how to walk and they're going bipedal, bipedal, bipedal. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them goes, why are you so cute? And the other one goes, it's because of his large head. <laughs> this is great. I have, to watch, I have to read more of that. <laughs> yeah, they're great. I love them. Okay. So am I going to do the intro or are you doing the intro? Uh, you can do the intro. Okay. Hi, and welcome to Masters, 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 Masters of, of, of Divinity, 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 Divinity. I don't know if that echo term worked or not, but uh, <laughs> hi. Uh, today, I, Father Chuck, am your moderator. Joining me today is, as always, faithful, solid, loving, just never, never going to give you up, never going to let you down. Never going to turn around and desert you, JP. And he's a little puffy today. <laughs> JP, which stands for... Um, just plan. Mm. Oh, I was going to say like, like just a lot of pollen. Oh, but... yeah. Just, yeah, that, that too. <laughs> just pollen. Just yeah. pollen. It is, <laughs> it is pollen in a human suit. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a horrifying image. That's... <laughs> Getting back to our, our little pregame thing. It's, you know, it's yeah. an alien possession, but they're stupid. I'm not saying you're stupid. I just say that would be yeah. Mm-hmm. Just getting back to it. I think we have a story here. I, I think, think so. I think we've cracked a story. I think, at least I think we at least have a Rick and Morty episode. We should we should see if they do um like spec scripts for from Rick and Morty. Mm, I don't think they do. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty yeah, Justin Justin and uh Justin and uh and Dan are pretty pretty yeah. tight in it on this stuff. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, yeah, a little, little no, but didn't they sign up for like a billion seasons? They need like some, they need some people to get them going. Cause they, they take forever to write that show. I mean, uh, they did sign up for, I think it was like 74 episodes or something. Yeah. Uh, so like, you know, they're all like really, really rich now. Um, I, I don't know. I think that that just means that, uh, they're more committed now, you know? And, uh, I think the reason why it took so long is because they were just so focused on the story rather than just the animation. Okay. So, okay. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, let, let's get in the episode. We're getting so distracted. I know. Uh, I'm, a bad, I'm a bad moderator. Um, so, so, okay. So, one of the things we have talked about on this show off and on, we talk a lot about the nature of the church. We talk a lot about um, contemporary Christianity. We kind of we, we poke it in the eye a little bit because it's, it's fun to do that. Um, but one of the things we, we talked about several months back, we did an episode about talking about hype priests yeah. and that whole, that whole realm of 
of Christianity, you know, the Christianity that's on Instagram with, you know, the roided out pastors and the quaffed hair and the really complicated shoes and Justin Bieber. Um, God and Gucci. Yeah, God and Gucci. Uh, ye, um, ye evangelicals. Ye evangelicals is the greatest <laughs> term. That's that's it. That's what they are known as now. Ye evangelicals. <laughs> ye are yeet evangelicals or just ye evangelicals? I think it's just ye, right? Like like easy. Like Yeezy, Yeet. I'm yeet. so white. It's <laughs> I don't know. And we're and we're old. Yeah. Um, so so yesterday I was I happened upon on my Apple News, not Apple News Plus, because <laughs> No, but mm-hmm. Apple News app, it was a spotlight article. And I, because it, it, it seems the algorithm seems to know me, JP. That's good. Um, and so it spits at me all these, you know, these ye- evangelical articles um, over awesome. the past several months. And so I read this one yesterday and I sent it to you as a, a topic magazine, um, which I'd never heard of before, by the way. Um, and it talked about this ultra hip church that is in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And so I sent it to you and Matt. And want to get the conversation going because one of the things that I that I was thinking about, in particular, because you know I have my attitudes about this stuff. We as a we as a show have talked about this. You have asked Matt and I questions about this kind of stuff. The, the you know the, this kind of church, this kind of model. Yeah. And so what I thought would be an interesting thing is to turn it and to um um and to do uh, is to turn it and to make it um talk to you about it. Okay. Because I I feel like you're sort of the target demographic. Mm-hmm. Because I believe so. Yeah, yeah. You're a, you're a millennial. Uh-huh. You are sort of a you're a seeker kind of person. You're non traditional in the sense that you know you're 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 not just going to go walk into you know the First Baptist Church of of Norman Oklahoma to go to church, right? You're you're kind of you're kind of over that. You've 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 had some exposure to the church, and you've kind of you know walked away from a lot of it. Or you you have a very well, you have a very critical attitude about a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would um, say in between churches. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and um um you know so so I feel like I feel like you and, and you know you're artsy because you have a film you know background and you know you've lived in L.A. and and uh, you know now you're growing weed, so you're just like <laughs> such a like you're like so I feel like you know you you really are sort of a target demographic. And I know you well enough that you would never walk into one of those churches. Hell no. So what I want to know is maybe out of morbid curiosity. Okay, okay. So what I want to know is is why why doesn't it work on you, JP? Why are you why are you kicking against the goads? Why are you rejecting the Holy Spirit's prompting to lead you to the church that clearly Jesus wanted everyone to do? Because Jesus, he wants that gram ready church. You know, he wants God. Yeah. Well, well, it's, it's, it's very simple. You know, it's funny, actually, it is, it, it, it's, it's actually kind of funny how simple it is. Cause I, I pontificated on this like all night. I read that I was reading, reading the article. I'm like a, like a mixture horrified and like really asking, asking myself, why am I horrified though? Um, and I, I kind of feel like I just sort of, I, I really got to the crux of how I feel about, uh, churches that approach it. Cause first of all, I think one thing we have to acknowledge is this is nothing new. Of course, right? Nothing new at all. And it, it does kind of go back into something that we talk about a lot on this podcast, which is making Christianity more palpable, mm-hmm. making it more, not accessible, but more, uh, what we like to say in the article, relevant, right? right. And um, the thing is, I'm reading this description of the church and everything that they do. 
uh, down to the the Instagram accounts to how obsessed they are with the uh, fashion. Uh, social media is like a big thing. Um, um, just the trends of the day are like this huge thing. And I'm not trying to be like, you're doing church wrong. I mean, they kind of are. But like, I don't want to be like an old curmudgeon that's like, oh, it should be more traditional. Don't wear that to church. You should be wearing a suit to church. Like, that's not that's not the place I'm coming from. I want to make that very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when I think, when I think of, of going to church, I want to go to a place that brings me peace and happiness and it allows me to be introspective, allows me to be uh, more open so I can absorb, you know, what the pastor or priest is saying. Um, and, you know, I read everything that this church does, and it's like they're bringing in all these things that make my life worse. <laughs> like the, the, the narcissism of social media, uh, the vanity of fashion, uh, the and just like, Everyone is, is, you know, they said like uh, he keep the, the, the author of this article uh, kept emphasizing like how beautiful everybody was and how trendy everybody was. And I'm like, man, that sounds like like the last place I want to be, period. Because like I don't I'm not I, that that doesn't that is contributing to like my what the article explains as brokenness. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they talk, he talks about three words are used very commonly within the church, which is relevance, or relevant, authenticity, and brokenness. And right. going, when they talk about brokenness, they're talking about uh, like uh, the depression everybody's dealing with, addiction, um, maybe some real world stuff, real world stuff that's happening to them. But I feel like you're using all these elements in the outside world that's contributing that and bringing that into a place where it's like you should be escaping that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm fascinated that you say that because so here I am the other side of it an Episcopal priest yeah um in a church that is overwhelmingly made up of people in their 60s and older yeah desperate for millennials to come in and so what happens is the tendency in my denomination is to try to look at what these kinds of churches are doing and replicate it here and what's in well as a side note the clergy of my generation we don't want to do that it's but we're not that we're not the ones who are in positions of power in the church right now um you know we're all you know we're all relatively new to the church you know i've been a priest for seven years like i haven't been in that long um and so we look at we look at the generation that's really kind of like our parents and older who are in charge of the church and they keep sort of chasing after this thing. And anyway, I mentioned that because my feeling as a, as a millennial is, or a zenial as they call us, is that is similar to yours, that I don't want screens and all that stuff in church because I want, I think church should be an escape from, from that. And like, for instance, the, 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 the absolute, uh, uh, epidemic that we have with bullying oh, yeah. among young people. Um, part of the issue with that, that, that we see with this is, you know, like when you and I, if we got bullied uh, at school, um, which I'm willing to bet you and I both had some experience with that a little bit. Uh, uh, just a, uh, just a, uh, uh, yes, yes. A lot. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> I learned, I learned karate because I had a bully. Um, but I, um, I, uh, 
the thing about bullying was you could then, once you left school, it kind of stopped. You could go home and you had a safe space and it didn't follow you. Like it may weigh on your conscience. You may not want to go to school the next day, but at least you got to breathe before you had to deal with it again. Now it follows you everywhere because it takes place on social media. It takes place through text messaging, through Snapchat, through all of it. So what I'm, so that, so that, so finding places that are intentional about removing it so that somebody can have literal sanctuary from the problems of the world. Like even if it's just, I'm just using bullying as one example, but there's a whole range of other things we could talk about. But I think that you're, 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 you're touching onto something like you said, like, you know, as they acknowledge the world has this brokenness, which is a buzzword brokenness. That's yeah. really frustrating. And I've been hearing that a lot over, over the past like decade. Um, and, and it's, you know, this, this, this thing of anxiety that people of our generation feel a lot. And a lot of us recognize that anxiety, that, 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 that anxiety comes as a result of social media, which creates this situation of the anxiety around constantly maintaining this personal brand, constantly having to produce to look a certain way. Um, and so, so I'm, I'm fascinated and, and somewhat heartwarmed to hear you say that, that, that you're not, you're not looking for more of that. You're looking for a reprieve from that. A reprieve and also a way to like learn how to deal with it. Okay, because I feel okay. like you can go a totally opposite way. And I feel like a lot of people do, which is to co completely demonize that culture, completely demonize things like Instagram and and mm -hmm. and, and then the day-to-day -day stuff and entertainment and media and everything that surrounds us. That's not necessarily what I want to do because A, it is kind of part of my life. I just don't want it to have, I want to be able to deal with the negative effects. Right. And that's what I, that's what I would like church to do. <laughs> so when I go to, when I hear about this church, it's like, you're just bringing all of that in. And it's, I'm not, I'm, my life in church is not gonna be that different from my life outside of church. And I'm gonna be just as depressed, just, just as anxious, just as desperate to prove myself to the people around me as I would be uh, on the outside world. It makes me think of a, a book I just started reading yesterday called uh, Jen O'Dell's How to Do Nothing. I've been I've been aware of this book for a couple of weeks, been uh, anticipating its release, and it came out this week. Um, and in her intro to the book, she talks about this phenomenon that we're talking about right now. And she says what, what she's trying to do with her book, um, she's offering a critique of the way that capitalism has, has sort of monetized our attention. Mm -hmm. um, and how and, and and but she says but she's not trying to write a book that's a run for the hills retreat from the internet anti-technology screed she's saying what she wants to do with the book is to make it a way in which to navigate these this world right you know the internet's a tool and it's very helpful and we should be able to embrace what's good about it while also being aware of the ways in which there's this other insidious factor that is using it on, you know, and influencing us. And so we need to be able to learn how to reject those things. And I feel like as I'm already starting in the book, it sounds like it, it could be something that's really good for the church to hear yeah. and how to, because it, it, it sounds a lot to me like what Jesus says, um, you know, of, as we sort of, we sort of made it this cliche of being in the world, but not of the world, right? You know, Jesus talks about being in the world, but being, but being left unstained, untainted by the world. And so, you know, the only way you can do that is to be in it. You can't just have like, you know, your Christian ghetto that you go and retreat to where you have your own you know, Christianized version of everything else that's happening in the world. You have yeah. to, you, know, you have to navigate it with it as it is. Um, so let me, 
Well, one of the things I wanted to bring up is there's two quotes from the article that I um, that I wanted to um, mention. One was, and I shared it with you in our in our chat thread yesterday. Um, the, the the author of the article says that the church's ethos is one of practice casualness. Come as you are, but be chill about it. <laughs> now, there's there's a lot to take out of that quote because yeah. one. Casual. All right, we can talk about casual, and I, I we'll get to that moment because I I, I, I I would be curious to find out what you think casual means because I think what you think casual means is very different from what they think casual means. Yeah. Um. But the first thing is, you know, come as you are, right? Which is great. You know, the Episcopal Church's motto for the longest time has been um, the Episcopal Church welcomes you. So this idea of churches welcoming in people just as they are. We're not expecting anything extra from you. We're not, um, you know, we want you to be fully who you are as you enter into this space, whether you're a devout believer, whether you're a seeker, whether you're not sure we want, you know, whether you're gay, straight, transgender, like whatever, we want you to be that person to come in. Right. But there's no qualifier, right. Of, but be chill about it. And I kind of feel like this, this, this kind of evangelical, I love this term. I'm using it from now on <laughs> this evangelical Christianity is um is it's trying to it, like it says come as you are but be chill about it basically like it doesn't want to it doesn't like like let's just talk about like let's talk about you know the lgbtq community for a moment that there's this sort of attitude of like well if you're gay like come on in but just you know, just keep it quiet like just don't be mm -hmm. a big deal out of it because and we're not going to make a big deal out of it either like we're not going to get up there and preach that it's wrong like in our hearts we think nah, we can't do this but as long as we just sort of don't talk about it, it'll sort of it'll sort of sort itself out. Like I see it as the theological equivalent to when the Bobs fire Milton in office space, where it's like, oh well, we just corrected the payroll error and the problem will sort of solve itself. Yeah, like we don't have to commit to anything. We'll just sort of we'll just sort of we'll do this one thing behind the scenes and then it'll sort of it'll handle it itself. And it's just I mean, it's are, very. Are they just are they saying just don't be judgmental? Is that what they're trying to say? Because I because I because I, I remember that quote. And I didn't really quite understand it. Like. Aren't I being chill by being casual? <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, and I, I think three well, levels of chill I have to be to be in this church. Yeah, I mean, because what what I what my my take on it is that it's it's um is that it is a, it's a, it's a mindset around like I said like well, on one level like and like I said now like I think a good example of it is if somebody is from the LGBTQ community coming into the, coming into that church, okay. that it's the kind of church that's not going to say like, you don't belong here because you're gay. Right. Even though if you come talk to us about getting married in this church, we're going to say, we don't endorse that, but we're not going to put that front and center. Even though we as a church officially are going to say that we don't agree with your lifestyle yeah. and think that, you know, you are, that, you know, you are a sinner who needs to be changed or redeemed or whatever. Like they're going to have that attitude, but they're not going to be up in front about it, but they're also going to expect you to not be upfront about it, about, you know, don't be coming in here with rainbow flags and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, let's it. just sort of, you know, let's just sort of keep this quiet. Right. And it's, and it's its own kind of, it's a type of politeness right? that is dressed up in like, I don't know, like, I don't know, brand it's, it's, it's filtered through this whole concept of branding um you know make sure that like whatever you do sort of fits the brand of our place not be inoffensive like don't be uh be uh um um i don't know keep going sorry Let's yeah no no that's but um but the casual piece let's get to this okay. so i was i went to go see shazam the other night and right before shazam came on you know there's the the, the you know a lot of movie theaters um 
it's a movie co-theater and they have, you know, the different sort of like TV ads and stuff that roll before the film. And one was a local ad. And I seen a lot of churches buy ad space um, and movie screens. And so uh, there was a new, there's a new evangelical, well, not new, it's been around for a while, evangelical church here in South Florida is expanding. And they had an ad with their pastor. Um, of course, you know, he's in like a really nice shirt, he's shaved head and, um, and he's talking and, you know, it's, you know, I've, and it's basically the image behind him is the uh, postcard that I've gotten the mail over the years, you know, inviting me to their church for Easter. And it's like, come to church, we'll give you a free book and like all this stuff. But one of the things that they, every year that they say is they go out of their way to say, um, that, you know, um, it's casual. This is a casual church. So it's casual dress come to church. And I feel like for the past, I've been hearing that message since I was at least in middle school, if not before. The idea of church saying, let's be, you know, come as you are, dress as you are, like casual dress. Like even the Baptist church I grew up in was sort of like, we're not going to make a big deal out of expecting you to wear a suit and tie on, at church on Sunday, right? So on one hand, I'm wondering, is that even necessary to still tell people? Do people really, are there people out there really still thinking that you have to dress up to go to church? Um the other one is, and that's, so that's one conversation and we can say that's basically yes or no. But the other question, this one's more for you to talk about maybe is as I look at what they term casual is casual, its own kind of dress code mm -hmm. because, and I'll get to another quote here in a moment. Uh, well, I don't have to say the quote, the guy, the article who the, the author of the article, the reporter said, that he got nervous, that they got nervous before they entered the church. They ran across the street to a coffee shop because they said, am I cool enough to be here? Right. Yeah. So clearly it's not casual mm -hmm. because if it were casual, you shouldn't have that kind of anxiety about how you appear when you walk into a church. Yeah. So what do we, what do we think? By, but what, what, so do we think that, that what casual is a different category now? Probably. I mean, I think, um, Casual just kind of means like informal, but informal can still be like fashionable, and casual can be can be fashionable, right? So by saying casual, you're not really saying um, you're not really saying like I think what what they want to say is you don't have to impress us, but that's not really the message that's probably getting across to people, right? Right. Well, I mean, if this guy who's if this I'm assuming the author is a guy, by the way, um, if this author is who is a non, you know, a non-Christian, um, checking out this church, um, if they are anxious about how they're going to be perceived walking into the church, yeah. then clearly it's not a casual place in the literal sense of the term. That's true. No, I, I yeah, I agree with that. And you know, you know what it kind of reminds me of, Chuck. This might be a little bit of a kind of change, but it it it, it applies. I just remember when I was in youth group, uh, my youth pastor told me about a uh, uh, like a like a neighboring youth group about uh, an experiment they did, or, or I guess it was like a new strategy they did, where they like pushed heavily to get the most like popular kids in school to come to their youth group because mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. figure if they got the popular kids, the popular like the, the you know the the sports captain and the the head cheerleader and all these really popular people to become like Christians and come to youth group then all of like their followers will want to go to youth group because it's like right. a cool thing to do. But they, but, but, they, but, but they had to stop doing that because they found that what they were doing was just recreating all those hierarchies in high school that was making it so unbearable. So it's like, 
people stopped going to youth group because like they got made fun of or they were excluded from circles or you know that's exactly what i was saying about why i don't why i wouldn't go to this church <laughs> yeah in um in, in in donald miller's searching for god knows what there's an anecdote where he talks to a friend similar story of a huge youth group in, in oregon that did the exact same thing yeah and but the, the guy that was talking to him was he, he was a nerd in high school and he tells a story about how um at his youth group they had some kind of like basically youth group Olympics, you put together a team and it was like this big, you know, multi-week sort of activities, you know, things like spin your head around a baseball bat and, you know, run down a line and, you know, just typical youth group games. And his team won, they beat the jocks. And he said it was the most embarrassing moment in his life because when the pastor, when the youth pastor called their team's name, no one clapped because they didn't know if it was okay to clap because it had been so geared around jocks and popular kids right. that they didn't know if it was, that they were allowed, like if this was a good thing hmm. that the that the nerds won, because like you said, those hierarchies were still preserved. Right, and so when when I think about like the casualness, like by saying casual, you're not, you're not. I don't think you're really solving anything because you're telling people to come as you are, which I mean, you should come as you are. Yeah. But when you when you come as you are, when you bring yourself, you're bringing all the crap that other people have to deal with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that affects other people around you, even when it comes to like being cash. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think instead of just stressing, you know, being casual, people just be like, you don't have to impress anybody. Like, I think that's what they, that's what, I think that's what they think they're stressing by saying casual, that you don't have to impress anybody, but I don't know, people aren't going to get that message. Right. Well, it's, it's one of the things I've been thinking about over the years that um, is the, is, is like I think of I think of like AA, yeah. like AA is an organization that it fits into it sort of hits a lot of these things that we always talk about in the church world. You know, that you want to talk about places non judgmental, truly yeah. come as you are, casual, and we'll <laughs> accept you. AA and I had a I had a an idea back in the day when we were in college. You know, um, and this is where I can talk a little bit. Well, I'll, I, I can talk a little bit about how I at one point was very you know in another in another universe. JP, I'm one of these priests. We know this. We know that I am one of these pastors in another universe. Oh, I probably am too. I'm planting churches in Africa. I'm planting, oh, I'm yeah. planting Zoe churches all over Uganda, bro. Yeah, dude. Um, but um, I at one point had thought about having some kind of like Bible study gathering thing when we were in college that was sort of built on the AA model. But it was um, basically, I was going to call it Sinners Anonymous. And it was just an opportunity for us to confess. Um, and... Um, it's very nineties. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? But I think that but I think that in a way though, that's like that's what the church is supposed to be, right? We're yeah. supposed to be a place where people come with their with I mean, true, I mean, not to not to denigrate the brokenness that they talk about in these other churches, because I mean people do experience they, they feel broken, but I feel like that it's a buzzword, it's a hashtag brokenness. It's not it's not, you know. I mean, again, I've never been to this church, so I'm trying to be generous in, in my assumptions um and everything, but you know, would would a homeless person who maybe has a couple of different personalities floating around in their brain, would they fit in there? Would they be welcome there? Or would that be seen as sort of cramping their style? Or would they be sort of put on, or would they be treated as something to put on the Instagram account in order to further the brand? I'm just Would imagining. they be truly embraced? And I feel like the church is supposed to truly embrace us in those kinds of really complicated, ugly, and messy moments without it being you know, something that we can put on the, on, on, on the feed. My, my dystopian brain is like conjuring images of like this church being like, okay, 
We need to be more inclusive of, uh, of the homeless people around us. How are we going to do that? And so by doing it, they, they, they like take him up into like a, they set up like a makeup room with like hairstylists. Oh yeah. And they decked him out in like Supreme clothing or whatever. And they put him in front of like Instagram walls just to be like, this is your part of, you're part of us now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then they just make them leave. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I. The thing is, this is probably not that far removed from what some people have done, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's. It, it, it does make me think a little bit about. Um, there's a an Episcopal priest whose work I'm very interested in. Her name is Becca Stevens, and part of what she does with her ministry, she started a um, a ministry thing called um, Love Heals, and they sell beauty care products. But the beauty care products are made by women who have been trafficked who live on the streets who have been abused and I think so I've heard of that, yeah yeah and so first off one of the big things that she does for the women who are in the program she provides them a place to live and then provides them regular like beauty treatments and stuff mm -hmm. because she says it's important for them to feel beautiful these are women who have been you know not only is there actually health piece you know of like being able to do skincare for someone who's lived on the streets for a few years but also that sense of being you know you know, what, what a spa day can basically do to any person, make them feel, you know, make them feel beautiful. And so there's an empowering piece to that. And so like, you know, as you're saying, like, I could see someone doing that, but not, <laughs> but not to, you know, just a slight change and it becomes less of a, oh, this is so that you can feel like a full human being and right. more of a, this can make us look cool. Yeah. Um, you know, again, it's that, capitalistic commodification of human bodies that we that we often see. But yeah, I think I think it happens. I mean, let's be honest. It happens with mission trips. We knew, we did our episode on short-term missions several years a couple of years ago and mm -hmm. you know, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of these, you know, hip evangelical churches that we know of here in South Florida that um that do mission trips, but the mission trips feel very much like they were tailored for people's yeah, be an American for a day, spend time with an American for a week. Yeah. 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 Or like, a, you know, it becomes like a, the, the phrase that I've heard is like, you know, poverty porn. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, painting faces in Bolivia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, uh, what was the, what was, I saw a tweet the other day that said, if you, um, what is it? It's like, if you care more about uh, something about like, if you care about all those Hondurans that you go to visit during your short-term mission trips, but then um, ignore them when they're trying to get into the border, then you have a serious, like you need to seriously um, oh, yeah. reconsider what, what you mean by mission mm -hmm. <laughs> or something like that. Um, yeah. Skating. So, all right. So, all right. So we've talked about this place being, you know, it's casual. It's what we mean by casual. So it's very hip. Right. I, I will say one of the things that I think about, is you know jesus in the new testament talks pretty pretty directly about people who practice their righteousness in such a way that they so that they will be noticed by others this idea that we that yeah that we that we that we sort of flaunt our faith so that we can so people will pay attention to us and i wonder about a church that is geared around say instagram everything we do is so that you're, you know, we encourage you to take photos and post hashtag different things. The church is a promotional kind of thing. Is that, is that the kind of thing Jesus is condemning the Pharisees for doing? Or am I being, am I being a little too I harsh? I don't know. I think, 
I think it could be a degree to that, a, a, a degree of that. Mm -hmm. um, just so we're clear, you mean like, uh, like, can I, can, I, can I get you to kind of like expand on that a little bit, like, uh, like comparing the Pharisees to? Well, let, I mean, because like, so the Pharisees, you know, the Pharisees in the, in the New Testament were uh, often. I mean, there's stories of them. You know, they had uh, Jesus condemns them for like their big phylacteries. So phylacteries are. Um, it's, um, it's a it's a little box that has the law in it, um, and they would put these on their you know and a lot of, and there are a number of Orthodox Jews that still do this. It's a it's a thing of it's a thing of um, piety, you know, wrapping their arms with the tefillin, which is the leather straps. Um, but there are but Jesus was condemning Pharisees of his time, who would who would sort of put more and more scripture in their phylacteries as a way to kind of show off how much they had memorized and how much they knew and how like what kind of what you know how they were sort of superstars of the law yeah and there's some stories from the ancient world of the phylacteries being so big that um that some of the pharisees had to walk sideways down narrow streets because they couldn't fit um and so you know so jesus is jesus is very condemnatory of these people who do you know who do their religion so that people will notice them and it's very showy mm -hmm. um so so let's think about, you know, okay, so, uh, you know, here's a church and I, I start a church um, and I'm encouraging you to post on social media. I've designed the space in such a way so that it looks great. So you take photos, um, you know, we want you to take pictures of the praise band um, going and then I promote here are the hashtags you need to use for my church. Like on one hand, I can see like, oh, it's a gospel, you know, it's a it's a gospel proclamation thing, right? Because I mean, I use social media for my church. I I, I post stuff on Instagram, you know, fairly frequently um, on the chapel's website, or on the chapel's Instagram account, and um, you know, and we do it as like a way to, you know, we have a number of folks who um, have been involved with the church who've moved on, and they you know keep, they want to keep in touch with things that are going on. But there's also you know, I put tags on so that people will find what we're doing. But for me, it's you know, I see it as. Um, you know, I want people to start, you know, think about what they're, you know, what, you know, they, if they see an image, it isn't thinking about, you know, matters of faith and spirituality. Like that's what I'm trying to encourage. I think there's a right, good yeah, way yeah. of, there's a good way of doing it. Yeah. Um, but I'm just wondering about, well, I, I know what you're saying. And, and I kind of feel like maybe it's, it's sort of like, it is the same idea, but it's kind of like on, on an opposite, an opposite side of the coin where it's like, where it's so devoid of religion that's we, we we've made it accessible we're making it like really really devoid of religion does that make yeah. sense yeah like yeah, instead, yeah, yeah. Of, instead of showing how devoted i am i'm showing how cash i am about it yes yes yeah and, and i feel and that yeah. doesn't appeal to you no not at all because <laughs> no no um because a it's a trap uh, um b and this is something I, I've kind of think about, and, and and you know, feel free to push back on me on this because it's 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 a baby thought. I just thought of it this morning, um, but you know, I I've been thinking a lot about Christianity in the past few years in terms of like cult, uh, uh, like it's like something cultural, mm -hmm. uh, something that has to do with like heritage. I just okay. kind of admire like if you could be like a like a cultural Muslim or a cultural Jew, um, you can't. There's not really that. I guess a Catholicism. You can kind of be that, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but then you'd have to go to the Catholic Church, which, uh, yeah. Um, That's a different episode. I kind of wonder if what this church is doing is a result of needing church and Christianity 
to encompass every like molecule of your life instead of being like a part of it. So like, so the fact that you have to live every day with, with, with Jesus on your mind, it's like, well, I need to make it more comfortable. I need to make it reflect more of like what my world is. I, here's what I think. I mean, I think, uh, I, I think that as a Christian, you should live your life every day with Jesus on your mind. Like, I right. That, I mean, and I know, who I know who I'm talking to. <laughs> you're yeah, a priest, yeah. so of course. Uh, yeah. But, but I, but I get what you're getting at is that it's, it, it's not natural. It's, 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 and it's the treatment. Cause this is the way that I was starting to feel. This is what, this is when, when the, when, when the parallel universes diverged and I stopped going down the track from, you know, the, the trajectory was going to lead me toward hype priest um, is, Oh God, I've I'd have been, I've been insufferable. Like I kind of want to peek into that universe cause it's, it's awful. Um, um, just for this, awesome. You never know. <laughs> I mean, here, just just for the sake of the listeners uh, and and viewers, if you you see this thing right behind me that I'm pointing at, um, yeah, for yeah. those who are listening to us, um, I'm pointing to I'm pointing at a mural. So JP knows this mural because um, it is the art barge. Um, I I had a we had a I started a Bible study at Palm Beach Atlantic University when we when we were students, um, where we read through chapters of the Bible, um, books of the Bible. And um, as we discussed the books that we were reading, what was going on in our lives, we worked on this art collage. So there were like five or six of us working on this collage. Um, it was very hip. I mean, that, oh, was, yeah. that was, it was super hip. Yeah. And- It's because all the I, cool people came to it. That's true. And so like, I felt that, I mean, there were some people that were like, like really cool. That were <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like Laura, like-, like cool yeah. Really cool. Keelan? Like kind of like really a cool, cool underground thing that we had going at, at that, uh, that college. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I was on a trajectory, but that was going to be, so that, that was going to be like the kind of church I was going to have. Right. Like it was going to be like Thursday night live, you know, TNL, the thing they had PBA, but it was, um, you know, artsy and, and cool and, and all of that, you know, I, I was definitely on that trajectory. So like I said, there was, you know, but there was a, there was a, there was a moment where the universe parted and I went a different way. And one was, um, Part of it was that I felt that Jesus was being treated almost like a fashion accessory. Yeah. You know, um, it wasn't, it was, it was sort of, it was sort of that Jesus was, um, like it's like Jesus wasn't the point of everything. He was sort of part of, he was, he was sort of along, along the ride, along for the ride with me. Um, you know, I, you know, we see those really corny bumper stickers and, and license plates say God is my co-pilot. And I feel like, you know, the same churches that are like, Oh, God's got to be the pilot. But in the way we, we talk about it as though Jesus actually still is the co-pilot. Right. Cause I mean, I would hear people, I would hear people in our, in our, in our, in that world, JP, and I'm sure you heard this too, when you worked in the missions department who would say things like, you know, we're supposed to, we're supposed to live our life. Um, we're supposed to live our life for an audience of one. Right. Yeah, it's familiar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I that started to bother me. I thought about. It. I was like, then that means I'm on the stage. And I feel like, I feel like the universe is is conceived in such a way that Jesus, God, is on the stage, and we're watching what God's up to. Not, not I'm on the stage dancing and performing for God. Right. And and I think that so that's what for me when things began to change, I started to think about this stuff in a different way. And I and I so now when I look at the trajectory of where evangelicalism has gone, I see how it's doubled down more on this, th that kind of model, this idea that I'm called to live on this stage for God to watch me. 
Yeah. And so God, and, and you know, I mean, like another a good example is um, one of the old one of the old evangelical like anthems. It's not a hymn. Um, it's an anthem, but it's the one that's um, I think Michael W. Smith wrote it. It's um, um, like a rose trampled on the ground. Yeah. Um, you took the fall and thought of me above all, like me. You thought of me above everything else. Me, not us as a species, right? But me as an individual. Jesus thought of me above everything else, in order to like, like that. That kind of self-centeredness is is just a, and I feel like it's it, it's woven itself into this into this kind of Christianity. And it's given birth to what we're seeing now, which is this um, this attempt at making Christianity where it's it's like we want it to be we want it to be like a part of your life, like a major part of your life, yeah. But in a way that doesn't demand anything of you, um, in a way that it, I mean, but it does. It, it does. It doesn't. Right. I mean, it's it's. It's sort of like basically what it is is it boils down to this I think, and I'm kind of I'm working my way through some thoughts right now. But I think it boils down to this is that basically and 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 because I, I realize this in myself and this was the kind of church that I would have formed in this parallel universe and that is so that you can be Christian and be cool. There yes, was this assumption right. that you could that one that you couldn't be both. Right. Yeah. And so and so now there is this whole thing now of we want you to be able to be Christian and cool. And we want that because that's how we're going to win the lost. And I think it result it, it has its early, you know, it's it's a nascent idea in the '70s with the Jesus people, the hippie movement. Like we've watched in, um, I mean, we see that in um in um in um a thief in the night. Oh yeah, go down to Teen Town. It's the coolest right? place on earth, man. Yeah, listen like, to the Fish Market Combo. They're a cool band. They're happening. Yeah, the, the the music is just as good as the stuff on the radio, JP. It's just as good. <laughs> yeah. Christian rock is just as cool as, as secular rock. Like right. Pe Petra, Petra shreds, Petra shreds. We can listen to Petra. Um, Striper, they rule. Yeah. yeah. Now they would say like what, like Lecrae slaps. I don't, I don't love that. But it's, <laughs> it's, um, but it's, uh, but yeah, it's that you can be Christian and cool. And so I, I, I've now I've, I've meandered my way through that thought and probably lost half our listeners, but well, no, it, it makes you sense agree. So you say, speak, say something about that. Tell me. I never needed Christianity to be cool. Okay. I needed someone to tell me that like, it's okay to not be cool. Ooh. You know, because I feel like being Ooh. cool has, has led to so much of like my anxiety, like trying to be cool or wanting to be cool. And it's and, like, I'm awesome. And, and to all the cool people out there, I just want to tell you, it's okay that you're cool. Right. But there are some people who can't deal with it, who just aren't, who probably can't be. And they need to be told that it's, it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad thing. And I feel like, when church tries so hard to be cool, I, it's just more alienating for someone like me. So, and, oh, go ahead, keep on. And um, oh, I was just gonna say, I just remember like how, and also it just kind of like makes everything lame at the same time. Like it's, it's kind of like the the opposite of cool, which makes it even worse, I right. think. And it's like because I just remember people saying like, "No, GP, you got to go to church because it's cool. Not going to church is not cool." I'm like, stop. Yeah. <laughs> like you're making it worse. That's not true. Everyone knows that's not true. <laughs> it's it's kind of like uh it's kind of like the truth ad campaign when we were kids in the 90s. You know, yeah. they they finally they, they realized that there's no way you're gonna make smoking not look cool. Yeah. So they decided to hammer more about like health stuff and 
you know, other things rather than trying to say like, oh, you're going to look, you're going to look lame if you smoke. And it's like, all you have to do is look at a picture of James Dean walking in the rain and be like, that's just not true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, see, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, I had a thought and I kind of lost it. Give me a second. I'll get back to it. So we can edit this little bit out. But you, you were talking about, you, 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 you want someone to tell you that it's okay to not be cool. So, well, someone told me that it, it was, uh, it's not cool to not go to church. Right, 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 that's right. <laughs> it's um, actually really cool, but I need to be told oh. that it's okay to not be cool. Okay, so that gets to the that, that, that gets to the thing where I'm where I'm really fascinated with all of this stuff is that you know I'm in this place, and I, we talked about this with the John Calvin episode. I mean, we're in this place where you like how I'm promoting other episodes to people listening for the yeah. first time. I'm like, well, I got to check that one out. Um, is is to me the Christian message? I'm I'm so blown away by just how really simple it is. Like it's radically simple. You know, it's the, as I said, I think I mentioned in the episode, it's, it's the only religion, as far as I'm aware, that makes the claim that you are saved. Not that you can achieve salvation, not that here's what you need to do to be saved, right? Like every other religion basically has this path that leads to salvation. We're the only religion that has this really shocking claim that because of what Jesus did on the cross and Jesus did through the tomb, we are saved. It just, it's there salvation has happened. And so we can tap into what that's, you know, like, like we may not feel the fulfillment of that salvation until Jesus returns. That's sort of the arc of the story, but that we can tap into living a saved life. Now we can live, we can live as though we, we are no longer burdened by trying to save ourselves because of what Jesus has done. That's such a radically simple message, right? I mean, and to me, that is so good. That's such good news because you're looking at all of this stuff that people are doing, you know, the anxieties that we have, of trying to save ourselves, right? Being cool is a type of trying to save ourselves um, and all of that. So this is a message that basically says, you don't have to do that anymore. You can now live free. You're free. You're free from the burdens of any of that crap. Just, you know, you're, you're, you're liberated because of this. So we take, we've taken this very simple message and then we overcomplicated it like throughout the middle ages, right? We turned it into this whole elaborate um, this whole elaborate, a whole elaborate system of indulgences and fasting days and feast days and all of that, which, you know, again, I, I participate in feasting and fast days and, and, and the religious institutional stuff. And I think it's a great supplement to the message and it helps live into the message, but I don't think it's like necessary for the message. But anyway, we've taken this whole thing. We complicated it so much at the middle ages. Then we, the Re reformation kind of tried to start pulling it back, but I felt like what it did was instead of instead of just sort of reasserting what was simple and profound about the christian faith is that it got so focused on deconstructing the christian faith that now we get to this place where what has been built is sort of what's been built from the leftovers rather than the original core thing right. and and so now we have this thing that tr they, they try to claim it simple right like just believe in jesus and Let's, you know, believe in Jesus and, you know, that's really all you need. But no one uh, acts like that. That's all you need, right? Because now it becomes, now you have the burden of, you have to be cool. You have the burden of, you have to do this, you have to do that. Um, and it just becomes this, it becomes something else that is sort of dressed up in the veneer of simplicity, but it's not simple. Um, I, I mean, do you feel that way or is this? Yeah, uh, yeah I think so. Yeah. Um, what else can I say? But totally yes. <laughs> okay. Well, so as as a, as a seeker type, JP, mm -hmm. 
what and, and as a secret type who is not intrigued by the evangelical Instagram hipster church. Um, and there's one other thing about this that I want to acknowledge. I'm, I'm going to put a pin in that because there's something else I think we, we kind of have to acknowledge about it, which we'll get to in a moment. But just for this personal moment, um, the, the message that they're proclaiming is clearly something you said doesn't work for you. Yeah. Um, because I think you see, you, you see it that it's kind of a different message. Does so, oh, my computer. So does the, does the message of like, you just simply are saved. Like, does that sound like a compelling message to you? Or is that like, I don't know, like I just said this I, thing out I there. think it is um, because I don't have to like, um, yeah, it is. Because I, I feel like there's, when I think of these evangelical churches and I, I just, I know they're guilty of it. Um, I don't, I, I can't spend every waking moment in my life wondering if I am or if I'm going to lose it or mm -hmm. if it's, if it's or whatever. I've finally arrived at a point at a point where it's like, I don't have to think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to live my life as if it, as if I am like, as if it's already, it's already been done. It's already happened. And, and I'm just going to focus on the things that make me happy and focus on helping other people and doing whatever I can to live the best life I can in this world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, so yeah, I think the idea like of telling someone you're already saved, it's 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 been done. I think that is compelling. I think to 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 an older person, it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think it could drive a younger person crazy because I, I do think. I mean, in the twenties, it's I don't know. I don't want to get into that, but yeah. Okay. Well, the other the, the other piece that I wanted to acknowledge, and it's something that the that this article does, and I don't know that we're the best authority to talk about, but I do want to comment on it. Is that you, you know obviously. Um, we have a podcast, so naturally we're two white guys. Um, and the article points out that, that this church in Williamsburg is overwhelmingly not white. That's interesting. And which is an interesting thing because evangelicalism for the longest time has been a, a very white, a very white thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and gentrified Williamsburg too. Right. Yeah. So what I'm, and again, I don't know whether that's authority to comment on this, but I think it's a thing to be, to acknowledge that, you know, there may be some limits to our perspective. Um, but I do worry, well, I mean, I guess the pastor there is also, he's a black man, right? That probably helps. Um, I don't know, but, like, like, like you said, I'm not really an authority. I can't really speak. He didn't really expand that much on it in the article either. Right. He, I know he just commented on it, but I, cause what I, what I'm curious about is what, what I would be curious about is if this movement is legitimate in its, in its, in its, uh, um, openness toward racial diversity, right. or if it's just another brand building thing. Right. Um, I mean, because I, I don't want to be a, I, I don't want to be a cynic, but like, it, it just, I feel like the, 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 I don't know, the, the, it's in the pudding, right? Like Cause, yeah, because I mean, because that's kind of the way that I feel when I see uh, that, that. I feel like that's in the undercurrent under a lot of the conversations around representation, like in Hollywood, is that I don't know that a lot of the people who talk about that are really they really care about it as much as they care about the fact that doing this is somehow going to help their bottom line. Right. Like they don't really care about people; they just care about 
oh, well, right now the young people care about diversity. So we're going to make sure that we have all these diverse people in our movies so that the young people will come see our movies. And that it's, it's a further evidence of the insidiousness of capitalism. Very neoliberal stance on, uh, what, on diversity. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wonder, I wonder about that. But again, like we, you know, we're very limited in our ability to talk about that. But I just want to at least acknowledge the fact that this church is not a white church, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I think it's also sort of a, 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 a testament to kind of what their end goal is for, for a church that's so obsessed with branding. The point of branding is to aid a company in its ultimate goal, which is what in, in capitalism, what is a company's ultimate goal? The bottom line, what's the bottom line? Exponential growth, right? Right, right. Not necessarily, not necessarily um, inclusion, but, um, um, you know, uh, con- conversion, <laughs> yeah. assimilation, gentrification. Right, so, right. Well- that in um in Jen O'Dell's book, she talks about how um she's recognized that there is a tie between the 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 destruction of the environment and this kind of social media thing that we're seeing happening with the monetizing of people's attentions. Yeah. That and she says that it's all of it does all of it ends up doing the same thing is that it creates monoculture. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And you know when you're when you're if you've ever used Facebook's um, ad targeting system, ad, ad uh, targeting ad system, whatever it's called, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you you can get pretty specific. You can target, uh, you know, black users. You can right. target Hispanic users. So it's like, I mean, I, is it is it a is it a, a testament that they are a diverse, open church, or is it a testament that they just know how to market, baby? Yeah, and they and and is it also do they is it again is it seeing people? Um, or is it seeing, um, you know, demographics, right? It's just, just seeing those, tar- those, those things, right? It's, exactly. um, what is it? It's, uh, Jen O'Dell says that we live in a world where we, we interact with algorithms of each other, which I think is fascinating. Um, um, so, all right. So just to change it a little bit. Um, so at the Chapel St. Andrew, where I'm the born priest, um, and we've been, uh, we've been engaged in this thing called renewal works, which is, a program out of a out of an organization, the Episcopal Church, called the Forward Movement, that um, is all about um, getting a grasp of where we are spiritually. Yeah. So, and and how we can, and then where what areas where there's a desire for growth in terms of our spiritual growth. So it's not about it's not about like you know vision planning, strategic planning, anything like that. It's really just rooted in spirituality, engagement with scripture, traditions, things like that. Um, Early in the meetings that we've had with this group, uh, with the, there's a small group of the parish of the, of the parish that has met, um, some of the things I was very surprised by early on in conversations with people was, um, on one hand, like one of the things I've been hearing ever since I first came here, is um, you know we, the thing every pastor hears when they're when they're looking at a new church is, um, you know, we want to grow the church, yeah, want to grow the church. Um, okay, I get that. We want to grow the church. Um, but one of the things that I was surprised by in this process is that of the, of many of the folks who've, you know, sort of said this, they want to grow the church. They, um, these are folks that also said that the thing that attracted them, it, and this is a group of people that many of them came within the past five years to the chapel St. Andrew. So they've been here about as long as I've been here that, and these are people all across age groups and, um, and racial and ethnic groups. So it's, you know, older people as well as people in their twenties saying um, that what attracted them to the chapel of St. Andrew was that it was a smaller church. Yeah. They weren't, they didn't want to go to a big church. They really wanted to go to a small church. 
And so there's definitely a place for that. Yeah. So what I'm what I'm curious to ask you, JP, as 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 the millennial seeker, the target demographic person, um, what are your feelings on the idea of size of a congregation? Like, if you were to go visit a church, I mean, well, I, I know you can speak to this in college because I remember you 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 went to the Paramount Church a couple of times. Yeah, <laughs> um, that was that you, was an interesting experience. Yeah. You said you kind of liked it, even though you were, you were like the youngest person by like at least forty years. Forty years, yeah, yeah. Um, so no, I, I, I enjoy the intimacy about it, you know. Even though it is mostly very extremely rich old people uh, with very old timey hymns, um, but there is something about like the pastor is just right there, you know. He's he's two pews ahead of me. Right. Um, I never liked the idea of a completely inaccessible pastor or a pastor with like an army of lieutenants that you have to talk to, and like that's. You know, I never liked that, and this is it, it, this is and this is personal preference. I don't know if like I speak for all millennials of my Obviously. age, Obviously. or millennials or whatever. Uh, I don't know what the hell I am anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm just old. Um, I, I just I like the idea of a small church uh, because I like that I could just be like um, I could talk to the pastor. You know, I don't I don't want a rock star pastor. I don't need a celebrity pastor. There, I mean, there are. I did go to church a, a little bit. Um, I think guy's name was, I forgot. I, I don't really know that. Um, but I don't know, like a, a smaller church means more community, it means more intimacy. It means more um, openness. Um, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to like navigate or climb ladders to get to some, to get, to get someone's attention, you know? Uh, so I, I personally enjoy that. Yeah. There's a, uh, have you heard of Dunbar's number? No. So Dunbar was a, I think an anthropologist. Um, and just, so, uh, just on, on top of that, he was, um, he was friends with the Gore family, not Al Gore, but, but the Gore-Tex like jacket making okay. you know, company. Um, and he did a bunch of historical research and found that throughout human societies, um, he saw that the number 150 like appears in terms of people groups. And so he did this research and found that like 100, 150, I think that's what it is. Anyway, he did this uh, bunch of research to find that that's like the maximum number that someone can maintain like any kind of relationships. Once you get above that number, it, it sort of starts to break down. And so I mentioned the Gore-Tex thing. So Gore-Tex Gore as a company took his, his ideas and they applied it to their um, workshops. And so when they would build a workshop up until they had like 150 people, and then once they got more than that, they would split the workshop because they found that worker morale and other things broke down when they got too big because there was, they felt there was, there was a lack of community. Um, they felt that they were, they became more numbers in a machine rather than personalities and people and that they enjoyed work less when they came into work with a larger factory. And so this is the way Gore-Tex and a number of other companies have, 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 um, have started doing things. Um, and I, I mentioned that because it's, to me, it's a thing that, that seems to make a lot of sense within the church that, and we had this enterprise for a while in the Episcopal church where basically the congregation got to a certain size, we would then plant a new church to kind of maintain smaller congregations. That's what That's happened cool. in South Florida. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know that it's all that sustainable in the long run because of the, the fluctuations of property values and cost of living and things like that. But it seems very different from like Christ, what Christ Fellowship was doing is doing, right? Like where it's just like 
taking over South Florida. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one church. Yeah, they. What, I mean, what they're doing is, I mean, part of it is like that, right? They want to have like a local satellite branch. By the way, I remember when Relevant Magazine back in the early 2000s did a, for those who don't know, Relevant is an evangelical magazine that's really kind of helped give birth to everything we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but they, um, they, they, they did this whole article on the satellite church movement and people were saying things like, it's so great. You know, I have everything about the church that I love, but it's right here in my neighborhood. And I remember thinking, oh, you discovered the denomination, this thing that you <laughs> had for 2000 years. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, the Catholic church was doing that. Right. Um, and, uh, and so, but, but, but what they do is of course, you know, they satellite feed the senior pastor preaching in all of those churches. And that's, that's kind of scary to me. I mean, that, that's, that's weird. That's so Orwellian to me. Like, <laughs> yeah, it always, yeah, it felt very Orwellian to me as I'm, I'm going to go into pastoral counseling mode for a moment. What I'm hearing you saying, JP, okay. um, what I hear you say mm -hmm. is that there is a, there's a common thread that I think that goes through all of this. And it's something that I, I think of, when I, so I, I, when I first started here at St. Andrews, at the Chapel of St. Andrew, I wasn't yet a chaplain at St. Andrew's School, but I was invited to give a chapel talk at the high school chapel during um, this big thing that we do called Spiritual Journey Week, um, which is why Michael Funson was with us last week because she was here to help us with that event. Right. So five, you know, almost six years ago, first Spiritual Journey Week that I'm a part of, they invited me to be one of the speakers. And so what I did was I did a whole chapel thing on surfing and spirituality. So I brought a couple of my surfboards up and I talked about, you know, my life as a surfer. And then I talked about how it affected my spirituality and all that. I felt like you could hear a pin drop in the chapel. Like the kids were just not engaged. Like I didn't feel like I was engaging. I didn't feel like there was anything happening. It felt very like disconnected. Okay. Um, and so I felt like I bombed that I bombed this. Well, I, um, afterward, one of the chaplains and some other teachers came up to me and they said, that was really great. And said, we couldn't believe it. The kids were quiet the whole time. <laughs> like, is that a good thing? Is that a great thing? That's funny. And, and what everyone told me was that more than anything that I said in terms of content, they said that my tone exuded authenticity and that that's what the kids cared about more than anything was that you would be authentic. And I think about that a lot. And I feel like that's part of the through line of everything we've talked about today is that question of authenticity and that the, and so the question of whether or not this kind of, this kind of church thing and what we're putting out there, is it authentic or is it just for the brand? And yeah. I think that I, I have a suspicion that it's not authentic. Well, I, I kind of feel like authentic in this case can be sort of, Flexible, like authentic uh, to what? You know, I think this church that's 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 described in this article is extremely authentic. It's authentic in that it totally replicates the cold, alienating world I try to escape every day. <laughs> Very authentic. Oh, that's, so. fair. that's fair. So oh, that's interesting. Okay, that's 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 a fair statement. So what I'm so so my my conclusion, my takeaway on this episode is that if there's any if there are any church leaders and, and other folks listening to this episode that what we what we are probably one of the things that's necessary for us, at least, you know, if JP is indicative of of, of plenty of people in the world, you know, if his if his attitudes and feelings are not that unique, then it says that 
perhaps we really should be um, trying to find ways to navigate this kind of nightmare world of technology that we're dealing with. Um, um, I heard someone recently refer to Twitter as the fresh hell machine. Um, that, um, that it's less about replicating the experience that we see every day and basically saying like, oh, because well, I mean, that, that, that kind of gets to a similar feeling that I have is that when church becomes like Starbucks, then why not just go to Starbucks? Yeah. Oh, totally. If church, yeah, like it's better anyway. <laughs> like yeah. if, if, if church is going to be a rock concert, why not just go to a Foo Fighters concert? Why you got to go to a bad one? Exactly. Exactly. Um, I want to hear a guy tell bad jokes on stage. I'll go see a comedian who does it better. Right. I mean, let's be honest. Like if, if church and that, that's another thing that just is the lack of sacrament. Yeah. Um, like what's the point of church when you don't have a sacrament? Like it doesn't make any sense to me, but, um, but yeah, like you can go, like I've learned profound life lessons from listening to Pat Oswald, who <laughs> is a very vocal atheist. And he's a very wise man. And a very wise man. Yeah. A lot. Like, I mean, his stand up special after his wife died. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Incredible, right? You want I, I, I could get, I could keep going. Keep going so I'm not going to. So we're gonna have it on the show next week. So keep that in mind. That'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think that I think that 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 idea of so that's what we want. That's what the world I think, and I agree with you on this because I think that's for me. Like if if I were not an ordained person and I were, you know, and I were living as a lay person, you know, doing any range of other things I could be doing, right? Teaching, writing, whatever that if I'm going to go to church, I want someone like you're saying to be able to show us how to navigate this. And that's what the church has done well for centuries is to say, here's the state of the world. This is the way it is. Now here's how you live in it rather than retreat from it, how to confront it, how to deal with it, how to bring grace into it, how to bring Absolutely. it. Um, and it's 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 not about rejecting it, but how to confront it and subvert it and do the things that need to be done in order for the kingdom of God to blossom in the midst of it. Because again, you know, Jesus came to us in the midst of it. He didn't go like hang out in the wilderness and call us out to him. Like he lived among the cities and among the people and died a political death. I mean, it's it's all, you know, it's all he 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 embodied, you know. The, 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 some of the worst experiences that humanity has. And so, and we're called to follow him into that. So, um, so yeah, so I think that's good, JP. Thank you. If, if for nothing helpful for me, yeah. um, it'll be interesting if any of my parishioners listening to this episode sort of are like, Oh, I saw what you were, you know, are you trying to like <laughs> backdoor a message to us? Um, which I wasn't, but you know, Hey, it, it gives, if it gets us talking, it's us talking. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's uh that is definitely all the time we have today. I want to thank JP. You're so welcome. I, I, I love being on this end of the conversation. It's just, it's kind of a vacation. You mean I just get to like, get to talk about me. Wow. That's right. I love it. I love the little bit of narcissism. That's great. It's nice. Isn't it? It. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> Let's see. You can, now you get to live the, you can live with the kind of crap that I live with every day. Uh, <laughs> but, um, um, you want to no. switch places? Maybe I could be the, the, the head of the congregation, you could work on the podcast this weekend. That'd be cool. <laughs> I wonder how much we, we do have a bit of a resemblance. I wonder how many people would even notice. <laughs> just, I don't, 
I don't think that's Charles. I don't. <laughs> yeah, because you're you're up there and you're like, uh, look at my deacon. Like, what do I what do I do next? Uh, be like, shaka bra. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why why is he in a V neck? Does he not understand? <laughs> he wears a dress now. Um, well, thank you, JP, for being with us. Um, and uh, be sure to. Like and subscribe and ring the bell. Ring those bells. Smash that subscribe button. And uh, yeah, comment, review. Oh yeah, definitely do the commenting thing. Um, that's 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 helpful. Um, and tell your friends. Um, air airdrop our episodes to random people that didn't turn off their uh, airdrop function in in like if you're because you know we're getting near. Well, also it's Easter, Easter's coming up. You know, so oh, yeah. church do that. Um, the Chapel of St. Andrew in Boca Raton is a great place for Easter if you want to come. We have all of our stuff online at chapelfda.org. Um, and, um, and you get to hear me in a completely different context. Um, and yeah, but go to church and maybe go to a small church. They, yeah. would love you. they would love you if you showed up. Or, you know, if you just uh, go go to Hype Church if you want, you know, just to experience it and tell us how it was. <laughs> well, yeah. If you, if you want to be a guest on our show. <laughs> go to the Zoe Church. I, I have to know what goes on there, man. Yeah. I have to. Yeah. Is it the I, one think, I think I went to Mosaic when I was in LA, by the way. I think, I feel like I went there once. I went to some church that was in a nightclub that resembled like a Mayan temple. Okay. which was ironic. <laughs> very, very ironic. Human sacrifice. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so yes. So thank you, everyone. Um, thank you, Matt. Oh, by the way, Matt's been here all along. We just never let him talk. <laughs> thank you, Matt. Oh, Matt, what do you think, buddy? Uh, <laughs> your I thoughts? Was, I'd like to superimpose him in an image on the episode. Um, <laughs> and uh, with all of that, have a, if you are an Easter person, have a blessed and holy week and holy Easter. Um, Jesus Christ is risen. Celebrate that fact. Um, and as always, good journey. Good journey.